Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're continuing through our study in the Sermon on the Plain. You might call it, if you want to call it the Sermon on the Mount, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, it's it's very similar to Matthew's account. It's obviously abbreviated, but we've uh, I've really enjoyed just walking through this together. Um, we began explaining, thinking back in verses uh, 20 through 26, uh, thinking about um, Jesus' kingdom like no other is what we kind of referred to it as. And in Jesus' kingdom like none other, the, those that are most valued by Christ and blessed by Christ are the ones that are despised by the world. Uh, that Jesus blesses the poor, the poor in spirit, those who see their need of him. He blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in their lives. He blesses those who mourn over sin. He blesses those who are persecuted and hated for his sake. These are the people that are truly blessed in God's kingdom. And then last week we saw that in this kingdom like none other, made up of those that are rejected by the world, that Jesus calls us to a radical love unlike anything that we could do on our own or would want to do on our own. That, that this is a, a love that that flows out to all people, all the way to our enemies. That, that, that the love that Christ calls us to in his kingdom is, is not a love um, that flows towards those that, that like us and that do good to us, but it flows to, to all people. It's, it flows out in generosity and, and good deeds that's done to those who hate us, those who use us, those who reject us. It's the call to this supernatural love that flows out of people that are truly children of the Most High. And if we are children of the Most High, then we will look like our Father. And the passage um, talks about how this love is is modeled by Christ. That we see love for enemies in Jesus. And that Jesus, when we were still his enemies, when while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he ends the passage that we looked at last week in verse 36 by saying, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So we are to show mercy to others, just as the Father has shown mercy to us. As we have been shown mercy, we are to show mercy, and thereby show the world who our Heavenly Father is, and what the Gospel means. The thought then continues, in verses 37 through 42, that's kind of why I want to lay that that groundwork. And this is what Jesus reveals. He reveals that love and mercy flow from those who see clearly. Love and mercy flow from those who see clearly. Many of us have glasses or contacts. I got my contacts in today. Um, maybe, I don't know if you remember when you first realized you needed glasses. For many it was probably when you were in, in school and you were sitting in the back row and you were looking at the, the blackboard or the whiteboard or whatever color board it was, and, and you started to notice that you couldn't you couldn't make out what was up there, and you thought, this teacher can't write, or she's writing too small, and suddenly you realize it's not her fault, it's it's your fault. And so you, you had to get glasses because you couldn't see, and, and the fact that you couldn't see made it that, that you couldn't learn, and you didn't know what you were supposed to do. Uh, maybe you got glasses later in life because you started doing this with all your all your books, you know, trying how am I supposed to do this? So you went to Walgreens and, you know, got those those little ones to, to help out. It, it, because if you can't see, then, then you can't learn. You can't do certain things. And I think the truth here is that if our spiritual vision is cloudy or, or if we're even totally blind, 
in different ways that we're not going to show the love and the mercy that Jesus has called us to, because love and mercy flow from those who see clearly. If we don't see clearly, we won't show love and mercy. We'll be judgmental. We'll be prideful. We will look down on others. We will condemn people in our minds and and with our words. And it's this spirit of of judgmentalism and condemnation and pride that Jesus is, is coming up against in this passage, and he's calling us to love and mercy. This is a message that we all need. If you don't see that, I just want to tell you, this is what you need. I need this message. We need this message because in our flesh we are so much more prone to judge others than we are to show love and mercy to others. That is the default thing that we do is to quickly find the faults and the failures of our friends and our family, and we're very slow to see our own. And so Jesus gives us these instructions. And as he gives us these instructions, he clears away all the obstacles. He gives us better vision. It's as if he puts some glasses on us so we can see more clearly. And as we see more clearly, we will have love and mercy towards others. Let's read this passage together and then try to understand what is it that we need to see more clearly. Beginning in verse 37 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus is continuing to teach and he says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Such good, familiar verses. Uh, I was just thinking this morning about how much I'm not going to be able to say about these verses this morning. But I pray that the message God has for us is, uh, I believe it's what he wants us to hear this morning. So again, we're saying that uh, those who see clearly, that, that love and mercy flow from those who see clearly. What does Jesus want us to see so that we will show love and mercy to others? I think the first thing is we need to see the love and the mercy that we have been shown. If we're going to show love and mercy, then we need to see the love and the mercy that we have been shown. This is in verses 37 and 38. You see these these four different phrases. Again, just amazing that Luke keeps doing things in four. The four Beatitudes, the four woes. Uh, last week we saw the different sets of four, and here again there's four different things. Um, and each one has a, a, a counterpart. So judge not, and you will be not you will not be judged, and and so on. And so the first question we need to ask, I think is that in verses 37 and 38, those corresponding phrases, do they indicate the actions of others towards us or of God towards us? Let, let me kind of help us understand that. The, the, commands are, the commands are very clear, right? Judge not, condemn not, forgive, and give. But if we do not judge, is the verse saying then that it's a promise that others will not judge us or that God will not judge us? 
If we do not condemn, will others not condemn us or will God not condemn us? If we forgive and give, does it mean that others will forgive and give to us or that God will forgive and give to us? Uh, it's a good question because it's, it's not really clear. So we have to ask the question. Um, and, and I hope that I can explain my reasoning, but I think that it's, I, I think it's best to see these as in reference to God. That if we judge not, then God will not judge us. Now it's true. I think this, it's very true. There's a sense in which as we treat others, they will treat us, right? So if we don't judge other people, then they're not going to be quick to judge us. If we are quick to forgive, then people are going to be quick to forgive us. And so there's just this, that, that, this idea that mercy and love towards others brings forth mercy and love from others. We show it, we will receive it. I think that's a, a principle. But notice these, these words. They're judge, condemn. I mean, these are strong words. Forgive. These are, seem to be more about actions of God towards us. And that if we would do these towards others, then, then God will in turn do that to us. That if we are non-judgmental, if we are forgiving of, of people, then, then God will be that way towards us. To, to judge or condemn another person is to, to place ourselves over top of them in this, in an extremely judgmental, authoritative, prideful way. And so Jesus says, if we refrain from that, then we will not ultimately face ultimate judgment. And condemnation. Now we're going to play that out. I'm not saying that that's you do this and then God will give back. We're going to get into that, but I do think this is this is what God is telling us to do. That that God will then not judge us. God will then not condemn us. It also we should point out this verse: "Judge not, and you will not be judged." People say that um, this is probably the most quoted scripture in the world, probably outside of the church. And if you judge someone, they say, hey, doesn't Jesus say, judge not, lest you will be judged. You know, that's what Jesus says. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't judge. And people use that as a means of saying, therefore, we should never say anything negative about anyone. We should never point out anyone's faults or, or sins or, or the things that they do wrong. And so it's a terrible, Christians are hypocrites because they judge other people and they say, this is sinful and, and this is wrong. And so people get mad at Christians because we confront sin. It's the truth that, that we need to be salt and light in the world, isn't it? Uh, that we do need to, to judge sin, to recognize sin in our own lives and in, and in the lives of others. That we are to be people who are, who show forth God's holiness and, and righteousness. And, and in the church, aren't there times where we're supposed to, to show forth sin? You know, church discipline is something that we do. Even in this passage, we're going to see that it says very clearly here that um, that there is a time when you are supposed to help a brother to see his sin. So those who say that Jesus teaches that we are never to judge the actions of another person are, are wrong in that they're not simply they're simply not seeing Scripture fully. But I do think that there's a point that people have that Christians are judgmental very often. It, what a terrible thing that that's what we are often characterized as. That when people think about Christians, they say, well, they're very judgmental. Is our default mode in life, is, is it to judge others? To get, to condemn others? To, to not forgive those that sin against us? I found some help. This is a, a commentary by R.C. Sproul. Let me just read, um, what he says about this. And I just found it enlightening and, and helpful thinking about what this judgment means. 
This is what he says. He says, Jesus is talking here about an attitude, a mindset that is sometimes found within the church to the church's embarrassment. A mindset of contentiousness, a mindset of criticism that God does not enjoy. The basic posture that we have towards the world is that of charity. I'm sorry, the basic posture that we are to have towards the world is that of charity that covers a multitude of sins. God has not called us to be the policemen of society, but to discern the difference between good and evil. And there's a time and a place for the church to exercise prophetic criticism, not only to its members, but to the world as well. But a negative spirit we are to resist with all of our mind. I found that helpful, that it's it's this negative spirit. It's, it's being the policeman of the world, going around trying to find where everyone's doing wrong, and then to to judge them. Because think about what's the connection. The connection is back to verse 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And that seems to be what these are flowing out of, this love for enemies, this being merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. So Jesus is telling us that our attitude towards the world is not, and towards other people in general, is not to be one of judgment, but is to be one of forgiveness and generosity. Why? Because of all the mercy that we have been shown. And all the mercy that we will be shown on Judgment Day. So the point here is, remember in verse 35, uh, he says, you will be sons of the Most High. The point in here, again, isn't that if we if we don't judge, then God won't judge us. We'll kind of earn that non-judgment. But rather, if we don't judge, we are proving that this is who we truly are. That we are those that will not be judged. We are those that will not be condemned in that day. That we are those that have been forgiven and that, that, that give. Forgiving and, and giving don't earn God's favor, but they show that we have received God's favor. We have seen God's love and mercy, and so we naturally show it to others. People who have been released, this is us, people who have been released from the fear of God's judgment should release others from being judged by us. People who are free from condemnation due to sin should release others from our own condemnation. If if we have been forgiven freely, then we should freely forgive. If God has given to us lavishly, then we should lavishly give to others. I, I love what he says, because he, he gives these just very clear-cut phrases, and then on this one where he says, give and it will be given to you, he kind of launches into, this is how much God has has given to us. He expands and he draws out this illustration. It's an it's illustration of someone sort of receiving uh, grain or maybe some sort of dry good, and it's being poured into their lap. You see that? It says, um, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, four, Luke's got this thing for fours, will be put into your lap. The picture is of you go to the market and they would have worn clothes. Maybe you've done this with a t-shirt where you sort of hold your t-shirt out and you're carrying something along. That the clothes were made to have a pocket of sorts. And so the grain would be poured into the person's lap. And this is how God gives to us. It says it's good measure. That it's a just weight. It's, 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 it's a good weight and it's, it's a generous weight. It's good measure. Press down. You know, that, that, that when they give you the grain, they're not trying to, to skimp off the top. They're pressing it down. It's like, like the difference between packing flour where you pack it kind of lightly and packing brown sugar where you press it into that cup so you get the right amount. That's how God gives to us. Like, like brown sugar, not like flour where it's all fluffy. 
it, it's shaken together. It's it's get all the air gaps out of there. He's he's giving to us like this. He's um, it, it's running over. So we're talking. It's coming out of this pocket. It's mounted on top. This is how God gives to us. Let me tell you how I think about it. God gives to us like I want the people at Chipotle and Qdoba to fill up my burrito. You go there, sometimes there's certain people that just don't give you as much. And you say, come on, that's all the rice you're going to get? <laughs> and, you know, when I go there, I want I want them to give me a bunch of rice and a bunch of chicken and a bunch of beans and, and cheese and pick of the guy and, you know, fill it up. One time I got a burrito and it was so full, it broke and they had to get another tortilla and wrap it up. Now that's a burrito, you know. And that's how Jesus gives to us. I mean, pressed down, shaken together, running. It's full. He, he doesn't skimp. He gives over and abundant, above anything we could ask or think. He pours out on us. And if this is how God treats us, then isn't that how we should treat others? If God has given to us so graciously, shouldn't we give to others in the same way? A judgmentalism, a, a condemning spirit, they are ugly. They're prideful things. Judgmentalism sits above people. This attitude of unforgiveness, it withholds something that only you can give. Stinginess, when someone is in need and you have the power to give it, you refuse to do it. It just shows that I'm, I'm lording over you. I have the ability to give, but I won't. It's prideful. It's conceited. It's a power trip. And this lack of, of love and mercy, it reveals a heart of pride an arrogance that looks down on others, that doesn't have love and mercy. And that kind of an attitude has no place in a Christian. Has no place, Jesus says. Because what is a Christian? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has seen that that because of their sin, they are judged. You, We are judged. But we look to Christ and we receive forgiveness. And we are no longer judged. What is a Christian? A Christian is a person who sees that, that she is condemned before a holy God. That because of, of her rebellion against him, he is in condemnation over her. But then, because of Christ, she is released from that condemnation. I think about uh, the woman who is caught in adultery in John 8. This is us. That the, that the Pharisees bring this woman and say, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act, Jesus. And they bring her in this spirit of condemnation and judgment, and they say, what are you going to do, Jesus? You better judge her and condemn her. What does Jesus say? He says, whoever's without sin, you cast the first sin. So he takes them who are pointing out the sin of another, and he uses this to say, what about you? Don't you have sin? And then he stoops and draws in the dirt, and slowly, one by one, they leave, and he looks up, he says, woman, where are your accusers? He says, they're all gone. And what does Jesus then say? Neither do I condemn you. I won't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. That is who we are. We are those who deserve condemnation. But Jesus comes and says, I do not condemn you because of what Christ has done. A Christian is a person who sees his need of forgiveness. It comes to Christ and is forgiven. A person, a Christian is a person who has been given more than he or she could ever imagine. Do you realize how much we have been given in Christ? We've been given salvation. And then he lavishly gives us everything else that we need. He blesses us beyond our wildest imagination. He fills our lap to the brim with blessing. 
And love and mercy will flow from someone who clearly sees that that is what you have been given. If we have received love and mercy in Christ through his death and resurrection, then we will freely show love and mercy to others. We will not judge or condemn, but we will forgive. We will give graciously and freely. We will be merciful even as our Father is merciful. We, we won't live lives of stinginess and holding on to things, but we will freely give to others. We don't do it. We don't live these lives of, of mercy and of love so that we can earn our salvation. And we don't do it to pay God back. Well, God's given me so much, and so I'm going to pay him back by doing all these things. But rather, we do it for his glory. We do it to show that our Heavenly Father is merciful. We do it to show that we are sons of the Most High. We do it to show the gospel that though we were judged and condemned, we have been forgiven and given eternal life. That's what we do it for. And we will only do it when we see how much love and mercy we have been shown. Love and mercy flow out of a life that sees something clearly, and it sees how much love and mercy we have been shown. What else do we need to see, though? We need to see the love and mercy that we have been shown, but we need to see the love and the mercy that we still need. We need to see the love and the mercy that we still need. We are still in need every day of mercy. This is part of, of verses 37 and 38 to think about. There will be a day when we receive even more love and mercy than we will uh, not be judged as we deserve, but I think it's the focus of 39 through 42. We need to see the love and mercy that we still need. And, and I'll be honest, verses 39 through 40, it's hard to fit them in. It's hard to understand the connection. I, I think verses 37 and 38 and then verses 41 and 42 are speaking against condemnation, speaking against judgmentalism. Let's try to understand. I'm going to take my best stab at verses 39 through 40, how they tie in. Um, Let's read them again. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Uh, there's assumed answers to those questions, right? Can a blind man lead a blind man? No. Will they not both fall into a pit? Yes. A, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So the illustration's clear, right? Blind people don't lead blind people. <laughs> Uh, and in fact, that would be the height of arrogance for a blind person to say, follow me, I know the way, and you know, let's, you come with me, and, and they both fall into a pit. You can't do that. And then after that illustration, he gives this illustration, and then he says, a, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So it's speaking of, of someone who is a disciple but needs more training. They need to grow in, in maturity before they're going to be a teacher and, and lead others. So here's what I think the point is, that that we often think of ourselves too highly. Uh, we think of ourselves as, as mature and ready to lead others when actually we are in need of of more training. We need to be more like Christ. We take others by the hand and, and seek to guide them when we ourselves are in in need of guidance. We neglect to see that we still need guidance and growth. And I, if that's the point, I think it flows then into verses 41 and 42. These are the ones that we know so well, that where this man is seen correcting the sins of another while he himself doesn't see his own sin. So the issue is someone who doesn't see his continual need of mercy. So what's the key? I think the key is lack of sight. That's that's what's in both here. Someone's got something sticking in their eye, and so they can't see. Someone is blind, and they can't see. What can't they see? 
They can't see the love and the mercy that they still need. They're still in need of mercy, and they think that they aren't. They say, I'm ready to lead anyone. I'm, I'm a fully trained disciple. I can start teaching people, and I can point out the sins of others. And they don't see that, that while they have been shown mercy, they also still need mercy and love every day. I think we forget this often, don't we? Jesus makes his point in the second part with a very, it's a humorous story. This is a humorous illustration. I think Jesus is, is making a joke here. Uh, he speaks about a man with a log in his eye that's trying to remove the speck of sawdust in another person's eye. So this log here is actually, it's a beam. It was probably the main beam of a house is what the word refers to. So we're not talking just like a little fire log. You're talking like bigger than a two by four sticking out of this guy's eye. And what's he doing? He's trying to get a speck of sawdust out of his friend's eye. So not only is it funny that he has this huge thing in his eye, but then imagine someone with this huge thing in their eyes saying, let me get that for you, you know, <laughs> trying to get, it's, it's, it's funny, and yet it's really sad at the same time, because this is who we are. The point is so clear, isn't it? I mean, it hardly needs any explanation. He says, Jesus shows that we often, we often see the faults of others before we see our own faults before we own our own sins and shortcomings. We see it in other people. We see it in our family and our friends and our co-workers. And we're quick to point it out and try to correct them. And we're blind to the sin in our own life that makes us incapable of helping others. I'm reminded of a scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the old 71 version with Gene Wilder. And there's this scene where they're walking through the factory and he's telling about the different candy and he tells him about this one piece of candy. He says, if you, if you suck on this, I think he says something like, you can, you can spit in seven different colors. That's what he, <laughs> it would be a great piece of candy. Um, but he says that, and there's this, there's this little girl that's sitting there, and she has her finger in her nose, and she says, spitting is a dirty habit. <laughs> and Gene Wilder, playing Willy Wonka, raises his eyebrows and says, I know a worse one. <laughs> Isn't that how we often are, though? That we point out the sins of others and we've got our fingers sticking up our nose? That, that we think everyone else is wrong, but in actuality, we have some things that we need to work on? What does Jesus call us if we act this way? What does he say? First time in the book, he says, you hypocrite. Hypocrite. You play actor. You're a pretender. You act like you follow me, but you don't really understand what it means to follow me. You're just pretending. We may have clearly seen how much we've been saved from, but we don't see how much mercy and love we still need. We are blind to the fact that we need mercy and love from God every day. We're quick to point out the sins of others in self-righteousness and hypocrisy and judgmentalism, condemning spirits. It flows from our hearts because we are blind to our need of continual love and mercy. So what should we do? Because this is, I mean, I don't know, this hits me, I feel it. I feel it every time I'm on Facebook. I feel it every time I walk down the street. I feel it every time I'm in a public place. I feel it every time I'm anywhere with other people. I judge them. That's just my natural sinful reaction. So what should I do? Should we respond the way that people take that first verse? Judge not. Don't judge anyone. You should never tell anyone that they do anything wrong. Is that what Jesus is saying? I think you could get that application, except that that's not the conclusion that he comes to, is it? What does he say? He says, 
you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. He doesn't say, don't ever touch the speck, don't ever judge anyone, don't ever point out the sins of another person lovingly, but he says, you can do that, but you got to deal with the log that's in your own eye first. And once you deal with that, then you have the freedom and the ability, and you'll also have love and mercy, because you'll see how much love and mercy you need, and therefore you'll extend it to others. He's not asking us for perfection. He's not saying you got to get everything out of your eye, but rather he's saying you need to be you need to be filled with humility, a, a humility that acknowledges our own issues first. And if we see our own failures and sins first, and we deal with them first, then when we come to someone to take out that piece of sawdust or whatever other size sin it might be, whenever we come to them, we're going to come as those who have received love and mercy. And so we will freely give love and mercy. We'll recognize that we are in constant need of it. And so we will extend it to others. How, how do we take the log out of our eye? we got to live this life of confession. We have to live this life of seeing our own sin and confessing it to God, confessing it to others. We need to be in God's Word. What is James says that the Word is a mirror and it shows us where we need to change. And so I've been reading through Jeremiah. If you've been in our reading plan, we're reading through Jeremiah, and I've just been so impressed with my own sin. As as Jeremiah is pointing out the sin of Israel, I see myself. I see my own rebellion against God, and in that I want to turn from that. And so God's Word helps us as a mirror. We hold it up and we say, oh my goodness, there's a log in my eye. <laughs> I better deal with that today. But if we just walk through life not looking into any mirror, not looking into God's word, we won't see our sin. But when we look into his holy law, we see it and we confess and repent, and then we are able to help others. But is this how we approach others? In humility, that we're ready to see our own faults and failures first. It's terrifyingly ironic to think about the fact that those of us who have been shown so much love and mercy are often characterized by such a lack of love and mercy. That's not the way that God intended to be. We're so capable of seeing the sins of others, but we are so blind to our own sins. And then, while we're still blind to those faults, we try to correct the problems that we see in other people. When we see... When we have conflict with people, we, we can tell them all the ways that they are wrong, but we can't see it in ourselves. But think about this with your interactions with friends and family. Oh, even with your, your spouse, there's conflict there sometimes. And you come and you say, I'll tell you what she needs to do. <laughs> you know what he needs to do? I can tell you the problem. It's what, if they would change, then this would all be okay. Let me tell you one of the most helpful things I learned in some biblical counseling classes is one of the first questions we ask is, what percentage of the problem is yours? If you're in a conflict with someone, if you see sin in someone else and it's grating on you and there's a problem that you're coming against, you say, what percentage of the problem is mine and what percentage of the problem is theirs? And you might say, you know what, it's 10% my fault, but it's 90% their fault. <laughs> or you might be more sober-minded and say, 40% me, 60% them. Whatever you want to say it is. But whatever you come to, what Jesus is telling us here is that your 40%, you are 100% responsible for dealing with that 40% before you touch their 60%.
that if it's 10%, even if it's just something small, that you are 100% responsible for dealing with that 10% before you even come to them and address that 90%. You know what I think often happens? If we would deal with our percent of the problem, if we would show love and mercy, if we would seek forgiveness for the ways that we have failed, that suddenly this other person starts to see the speck of sawdust, starts to see the branch, starts to see the beam in their own eye. And they begin to say, you know what? I'm so thankful that you came and confessed and, and in humility. You know, I think I have some things I need to improve on. Well, we don't do it so that they will do that. It's not, it's not something where I say, well, maybe if I confess my sins, then, then suddenly they'll see. So we say, I'm really sorry. And they say, yeah, I'm sorry to it. Yeah, let me tell you what you should be sorry about. You know, That's not how we do it. And yet at the same time, if we would see our own faults first, if we would always suspect ourselves first and deal with the percent of the problem that is ours, then so often these conflicts will go away so much easier. And we will approach them with so much more love and mercy because we will see that we are in need of love and mercy. And when it's freely given, we will freely give it back. Again, it's such a sad thing, though, that Christians are often labeled as judgmental. That our friends and our neighbors, they don't want to come through the doors of our churches because they have this fear of being judged. They don't want to come and ask us for help because they think we're going to point out all the ways that they don't measure up to our standard. And even amongst one another, even within the church, that we hide our sins. And we hide our faults because we're scared that someone's going to judge us. That they're going to say, well, I don't know if you're even really a Christian if you struggle with that. That we start to get judgmental towards others. And if we would be filled with love and mercy, then we would, we would freely confess. We would freely help one another. I pray that Grace Fellowship Church is not marked by judgmentalism, by condemnation but by forgiveness, but by grace and the, just the free giving, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, just love and mercy. That's what flows out from us. Yes, there will be times. There will be times when we need to deal with sin, but we need to point out the speck. Jesus doesn't say avoid it. He, there is a time to deal with it, but that our default mode would not be judgmentalism, but would be forgiveness, love, mercy. I think that's encouraging because don't we all deal with enough judgmentalism in our lives? I deal enough with judgmentalism in my own head, <laughs> let alone all the judgmentalism that can come from other people. And Jesus is so gracious that he asks us to love and show mercy to others. Love and mercy. Love and mercy flow from our lives when we see clearly. And when we see clearly, all the love and the mercy that we have been shown, that in the gospel, Jesus has come to us while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies. He lived the life we could not live. He died and took our judgment and our condemnation upon himself, so that, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for what the law could not do, Christ did, that he did it for us. And, therefore, we have been shown love and mercy. We've been made sons of the Most High. We have been given a Father who is merciful. And if we see that, that this is what we've been given, then we will show love and mercy to others. And if we see that we are still so much in need of love and mercy, that every day we fail and God continues to show love and mercy, He continues to give forgiveness to us. He continues to give us good gifts when we, when we don't use the gifts He gives us well. If we see that, 
then we will continue to show love and mercy to others. Love and mercy flow from a life that sees clearly the love and mercy that we have been shown and the love and the mercy that we still need. This is why Jesus came into the world. We all know John 3.16, don't we? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's John 3.17? For God sent not his Son into the world. This is why God did not send his Son into the world. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What a wonderful truth. That Jesus not only came to save, but that he didn't come to condemn. And if we are children of the Most High, if we have a Father who is merciful and loved us when we were enemies, and we see that clearly, then we will freely show love and mercy to everyone that we come in contact with. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we confess that we are deserving fully of judgment and condemnation. And we rejoice that you have given us forgiveness and blessing. Lord, may we see that clearly. May we see with with clear eyes how much love and mercy you have shown us and how much love and mercy we still need that you show us every day. And then flowing out of that, God, let us love others. Let us show mercy to others. Let us forgive and give freely to others, not, not to earn salvation, but to show forth that we truly are sons of the Most High, to show forth the glory of our Father, to show forth the beauty of the Gospel. And that when people say, why would you do this to me? that we would say because of the love and the mercy that's been shown us in Christ. Lord, work that in our church. Work that amongst each other, that we would not be judgmental or condemning towards one another, but that we would that we would love one another. We would forgive all things, and we would be quick to forgive. We would believe others. We would, Lord, as anyone walks through the doors of this church, that they would not feel judged. They would not feel condemned, but they would feel the love of a group of people that have been forgiven much, and so we love much. A group of people who should be judged but are not, and so we extend grace to others. Lord, teach us the balance of these things. But may we be marked by love and mercy. Thank you for the mercy we have in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.